Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Beers and Bases podcast. I'm your host Hunter, along with our co-host Ethan. And it's been pretty busy since the last time we talked. Uh, baseball's officially back. The lockout is over. And ever since then, the stove has been white hot. So today, Ethan and I are going to kind of cover um, some of the recent events from trades to free agent signings to drama in Atlanta. And let's kind of kick off, Ethan, let's talk about some of the more interesting free agents that have happened Um We've already gotten Scherzer out of the way. That's one of the bigger ones, and buys is with Detroit. So let's look at some of the ones we've had in the last week and see what your thoughts are. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, you know, the biggest that we've seen these this last week or so has been Carlos Rodon, Nelson Cruz, and then on top of that, we got the trades with Josh Donaldson and the Yankees, and then, of course, Matt Olson going to the Braves, which we're going to cover here at the end. But to start off with Carlos Rodon, uh, the Giants get him on a two-year deal, $44 million total. It'll be $22 million a year. And for a guy, for a pitcher, per se, not even just a guy, but a pitcher who put up a five-war, had 13 wins last year at a solid ERA with a 2.37, pitched in 24 games, but uh, came off, and it looked like he was going to have some injury trouble. So I thought that might you know hurt his market a little bit, which may have with the number of years he got. But he was an all-star last year, and the guy got a much-deserved paycheck. And and no doubt, like you said, he had a heck of a season. He did have the injuries towards the end, and I think he actually had some arm fatigue. But whatever you know, whenever he was healthy, he was one of the better pitchers in baseball at the time. Absolutely. I mean, he goes into a giant staff that's absolutely loaded, and not just a staff, but just a really good team all around. So I think it is a good fit for him. Uh, I, I think he got a good amount of money. I, I think he maybe if he didn't have the arm troubles, it could have been a little bit more. But at, at the end of the day, uh, a good signing for the Giants, and it, it really bolsters that rotation even more. No doubt. And, and they were – I think they come off a, one of the better uh, records in baseball last year. I think they had 105 wins or so. Uh, they – if I remember correctly, they took the Dodgers kind of toe-to-toe, correct? Yes, they did. They, I mean, they – Toe for toe, and they, I mean, they won that in a West. So, I mean, it, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what you want to see in the offseason um, for Giants fans is, you know, a good team just got a little better. And you're going to need that to compete with the Dodgers and to hopefully, you know, finally get over the hump, not only win the West, but hopefully get to a World Series for Giants fans. Um, so, like we said, I think, I think Rodon's a good addition. And like I said, he, he makes that staff a lot better. And, it's, it's not a long commitment either, and that, that's kind of what guys with injury history like his, it kind of scares you. So two years, even though you're paying $22 million a year, is pretty solid. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and everybody knows about Logan Webb from his playoff success that he has, but he's also going to be joining Anthony DeSafano, Alex Webb, and then you throw a guy like Carlos Rodon in there. That's four really good rotation pieces that they have going into next season. And there's still time to add even more. I mean, they definitely could. Uh, but all around, it's a great signing. And, you know, I think this would be a good time to – we're talking about pitchers here. Let's go into one of the better hitters that's been signed this past week with Nelson Cruz. Yeah, and Nelson, he's one of those guys that, you know, had was a late bloomer in his career. But this past week, he signed a um, two-year deal, I believe, for around $13 million with the Washington Nationals. And I kind of think this is a really interesting deal because, as, as you and I know – the Nationals are not competing right now for the East. The Braves, um, they made their move today with Matt Olson, and we'll get to that soon. Uh, the Mets have gotten better um, all the way around. And then, you know, the Marlins are kind of they're a talented young team. And the Phillies have Bryce Harper in, in the gang. So 
the the Nationals, in my opinion, aren't really trying to compete. But I think that signing Nelson Cruz, who's going to come in and probably give you, you know, 30 homers or so, um, he's going to put up a lot of home run numbers. He's going to hit the ball a lot. He, I think he had 136 hits last season. And getting him at 13 men for two years is not a bad deal. Or, or for this year, I'm sorry, not two years. Um, it's not a bad deal at all because I, I really feel like their grand plan with him is to use him as trade bait at the deadline because he's going to be a key contributor down the stretch for someone who's going towards a World Series. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he he's definitely going to be a trade piece that the Nationals are going to have. I don't know. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe they compete just super well. I don't see it happening, but if they do compete super well, that's that's great for them. They got their DH for the year. Uh, they can roll with him all season long. But if if expectations hold strong, he is definitely going to be one of the biggest bats that um, is going to be at the trade deadline this year. And they're going to be able to get nice pieces to even build around Juan Soto even more. But like one of the things I really want to look at here is you look at Cruz. He's a 41-year-old veteran who's been around the league, who knows how to hit the ball hard, who's, who's a, just a great guy in general. It's a perfect guy for Juan Soto to hit right behind or right before. And it just it's another great growing piece. And they're going to have three guys that can hit 30-plus home runs with Cruz, Soto, and a guy like Josh Bell. So, I don't know. Maybe the Nationals can, some, can surprise some people and put up some bombs this year and maybe compete. I don't know. We'll see. And, and not only does he provide, like, a good mentor for Soto, but he also gives him a little bit of protection in the lineup to where Soto maybe gets to see better pitches this year than, than last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it – it's going to uh, it's going to make the Nationals better. I'm not saying they're going to win the NL East. I'm de- I mean, the, the expectation is not to do that, but it definitely helps them, and it definitely gives them an extra trade piece. No doubt. And I think, you know, when we're speaking of dropping bombs and guys seeing better pitches and things like that, um, let's kind of shift to some of the trade trades that have went down. And you, we kind of mentioned uh, Josh Donaldson, the former Auburn Tiger, former Atlanta Brave, um, traded from the Twins to the Yankees. Uh, and I believe a four-person trade for the Twins traded Isaiah Kainafalefa, who we will refer to as IKF on this episode just due to his name, and we don't want to botch it too many times. Um, Josh Donaldson was sent, and the Twins got Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela in return. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, for Sanchez, it's kind of a change, change of scenery. Uh, his time in New York was kind of up. So he'll probably benefit, you know, going to Minnesota, having a little bit less pressure. But um, a guy like Donaldson, I believe, is more of like a salary dump and for the Twins, and he's going to absolutely rake in New York. Oh, he, he's going to love that short porch. He's going to love just the dimensions of that ballpark in general, and he's going to put up even more home runs than what he did this previous year. As long as he can stay healthy, expect him to, you know, continue to grow those numbers, continue to grow that war up from a 3.2, and just have an all-around great season. I, he already looks weird with no beard, but that's besides the fact. I, I think he's going to be a pretty good fit for the uh, Yankees. And one of the main things I want to look at is, like, the Yankees hit a lot of bombs, but the one thing that they seem to struggle with is, like, some athleticism and guys getting on base. Josh Donaldson put up a 352 on on-base percentage last year. And having a guy like that certainly is going to help balance out that lineup, especially when they can get rid of a guy like Gary Sanchez who needed a change of scenery. And, you know, you add a guy like Josh Donaldson at third base who's got that veteran presence to hold down the hot corner. Yeah, and essentially they just kind of swap Gio Rochella and IKF because, um, you know, Connor Falefa gives them a, new, a shortstop 
And Gio Urshela is primarily an infielder, but can play multiple positions for the Twins. So they get some versatility back. The Yankees get kind of a stopgap shortstop until Anthony Bolt comes up. Um, and like you said, I, one thing I do like about Josh Donaldson is, like you said, he looks weird with a beard, but when he does, I mean, without the beard, when he has the beard, he looks like Triple H. But he kind of reminds me, he's just the crazy guy in the clubhouse who's going to get everybody motivated. And I think a guy like him is someone that Yankees lineup needs. Um, I think they really need someone who's going to be fired up 24-7 and ready to play some ball. Yeah, I mean, it, it it balances that lineup out because not only are you just getting another guy that can hit a lot of home runs, but like like we mentioned, the on-base percentage is going to be there for him. And it, it's just a it's a guy that you can always rely on. I mean, Judge and uh, Stanton, they're going to go through their ups and downs and, you know, stuff like that. They still got a young team. But I, I also think that, you know, just because right now, uh, IKF is that, you know, guy at short. I, I still think they're in that shortstop market. I still think they're in that first base market. The, the Yankees are still looking to grow here. And just because this one deal is made where they get Josh Donaldson, I mean, they just gave up uh, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. They're not done making moves yet. No, there, there's plenty of room for a team like them. And like you said, first base market is wide open. We, we know that um, Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo are still out there. Uh, and so are guys like Kyle Schwarber who can play first base. Um, so, like I said, that I wouldn't put it past them to chase. You know, I, I definitely think they're going to be in the market for an Anthony Rizzo type guy, um, especially after today's events. And speaking of first base, I guess this is as good as time as any. But um, Alex Anthopoulos and the Atlanta Braves pulled off probably the biggest deal I've ever seen them make in my lifetime outside of, you know, when we did the rebuild and we blew up that roster. Um, with all those trades with Kimbrell and Upton. But today they bring in Matt Olson from the Oakland Athletics, which essentially ends the Freddie Freeman uh, era. And, in you know, in return, the Oakland A's got Christian Pache, um, Shea Langoliers, uh, Ryan Cusick, and Joey Estes. So it's a massive haul, but um, essentially the Braves got better today. They did. The, the Braves got better today, and it makes them better for at least – these next two years when they have Olsen uh, under control and they have him for this arbitration year and the following arbitration year, which is going to be very expensive, but it, they do have him under control. They do have the right to keep him no matter what, as long as, you know, the arbitration goes smoothly. And after that, they can look to, you know, extend him longer. But I, I think when you look at it at that point, once his arbitration's up with, he'll be 29 and you have a, you have a much better time extending a 29 year old, to a six-year deal than you do a 32-year-old, which is what they were going to have to do with Freddie Freeman, which I think was their ultimate decision of getting Olsen over Freeman. Yeah, and I think, too, um, like you said, I, I, age was a huge factor, and I kind of feel like Anthopolis's hand was forced today. Um, I know you and I saw some reports, and it, it kind of like he had reached out to Freddie's camp and kind of given them – a an offer and then they uh refused to kind of come back and and accept it in a, or accept or deny it quickly and that kind of was you know I, I feel like Anthopolis I guess is what I'm trying to say is in that moment um he was forced to make a decision do I take Olsen for these prospects or do I wait around and see if Freeman signs or do I potentially miss out on both and that was something he didn't want to do no I and at the time it, it, it's a tough decision. I mean, you could see by his press conference, he wasn't exactly satisfied with it. 
um, not, I shouldn't say satisfied, but you could tell that he wasn't exactly sure. I think he showed a lot of emotions going through. But I think at the end of the day, within at least these next two years where they're still in that high, you know, competition mode where they're looking to win, I think I think he did luck up with it. I think the price tag would have been even higher if Freddie would have signed beforehand, before this deal was made. I can only imagine what the A's would want after that. They'd want even more, which would be even crazy to think about because the Braves gave up an absolute haul. I mean, two top 100 prospects, a 2021 first-round pick, and a guy who put up stellar numbers in high A ball and, and was just absolutely great for that organization. I, I can only imagine what the price tag would have been if Freddie would have signed elsewhere before this deal was made. Yeah, and, and you can bet they probably would have asked for, you know, maybe even our other top outfield prospect or another pitcher like a Tucker Davison or a Jared Schuster or something like that. But like you said, you know, we've talked about the Braves getting Matt Olson and how that's probably at this point a slight upgrade over Freddie Freeman just due to a couple different factors. But the A's didn't make out bad in this deal at all, and they, they've got a bright future. We've got, you know, we've seen Christian Pache play. We know the bat hasn't been the best, but we've seen the athleticism. We've seen the defense. Um, we know he's a great young ball player with a lot of, you know, a lot of talent. He still has some um, developmental aspects he needs to – kind of get through and overcome as far as being at the plate. Um, like you said, you mentioned Joe Estes had putting up great numbers. And then uh, Ryan Cusick being, you know, a a first-round pick last year out of uh, Wake Forest, who put up great numbers there and has one of the – had probably the best fastball in last year's draft. Um, and then they get my guy, who's one of my favorite prospects, but Shea Langoliers, who, you know, just has a cannon from behind home plate and seems to throw out everybody we see. Absolutely. I mean, and the one thing I, I want to speak on with Christian Pache is you look at him and he's a super athletic guy. He's already a great defender. We've seen that in person in an MLB game. You know what I mean? Like we, we have literally experienced that, but I, I do want our listeners to realize that prospects at the age of 23 and we've seen Pache from 21 to 23 and that bat has not been good. Like there is no doubt. You can't argue that the bat's been good at all. His numbers speak for that. And it shows, but we have to realize that this guy is 23 years old. And if you would have done this last year with Austin Riley, people would have given up on him. People were already going to give up on him. And he was 23 years old and he didn't have a breakout until he was 24. So every prospect is going to develop differently. We know that Christian Pache has the potential to be great. It's just, it's going to take time and maybe a change of scenery does help him. But I, I do want people to realize that, you know, the Braves giving Christian Pache away was not just like a here, take him. It, I mean, it, it does hurt them in the long run. He's super athletic, and, and he, he's a great player all around. Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the age thing is a huge factor. Not, not everybody gets to come up and be in Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna Jr. You mentioned Austin Riley is one of the ones that took some time. Another guy that actually took a little time that people are really quick to forget about just because of his recent success. But Max Fried was very up and down his first season in the big leagues. He was – I mean, some fans were not happy with him at times. Some fans saw that he could be good, but he was very inconsistent. Um but you just kind of have to give these guys time. And unfortunately for the Braves right now where we're at, uh, they don't really have enough time to just let him sit. They've sat on prospects for so long. And, you know, today I saw all over Twitter fans talking about, we gave him way too much for Matt Olson. We gave him this, we gave him that. Why can't we keep these guys? Well, from what you and I have seen from the past several years is there's been times where we felt like 
you know, fans felt we should have made a trade. And then we're upset because we don't cash in on some of these prospects. And then you got guys that don't work out. Kyle Wright is, you know, which he's still very young and could work out, but he's one of those prime instances of if we'd have sold him very high, we could have gotten a great return for him. But now that would be a different case today. Yeah, fans need to realize that, you know, right now is a win now mode. If you're not, if you're, if there's a potential that you're going to lose your perennial first base all-star and not replace him with some type of talent, you are absolutely crazy. If you want to continue to win, if you want to continue to bring in money, you have to do something to compete. And the way that they could compete was bring in Olsen to replace Freddie, who is a better hitter, who is a better defender, and who is younger. So I don't, I don't understand the, you know, thought process of why the hell did we bring in Olsen? You brought in Olsen to continue to compete. Sure, you gave up a lot of prospects, and it may hurt within five years, but if you continue to compete and you continue to make the playoffs and you continue to have a chance to win a World Series, fans should not be upset about this at all. In five years, we can bitch and moan about it after they didn't win a World Series or whatever else happens, but if you win a World Series, you look at this trade and you go, great, we brought in Olsen, we got him locked down for a few more years and outside of the two years that he's with arbitration, and everybody's happy. Exactly. I mean, you don't want to sit here and, and you know, I've, I've, I've talked about this to you all the time, but I don't want to be in the Angels situation where we grossly overpay for Freeman and we probably would in this type of market that's currently going on today. And then we're six, seven years down the road. And, you know, let's say he doesn't age the best and then you're paying a guy 30 million and then you have to watch Acuna and all those guys walk and then you're back starting right back over. So this gives you a chance to be financially flexible for at least two more seasons which around that time you have to probably think about extending Riley. Uh, Dansby, I believe, is a free agent probably next year or the year after. So you've got other pieces. You've got young pitchers you've got to worry about keeping. And, you know, you're not going to be able to keep these guys for forever. Uh, and I think Olsen's the guy that makes the most sense as far as keeping this team in World Series contention and a little more financially flexible than paying Freddie Freeman 30-something million. Oh, you're. I mean, let's uh, sentimental value is great, and I love it, and you you don't – this day and age of baseball, I'm just going to use a Cardinals example just because I'm a Cardinals fan. And honestly, I I can't think of any more outside of Miguel Cabrera who have been with an organization their whole year, but let's, we'll get to that contract in a minute of how bad that's worked out for them. But you don't see Adam Wainwright's and Yadier Molina's stay with an organization for that long as they've, that they've been there for. I get it. Adam Wainwright was traded from the Braves, but Adam Wainwright started his actual MLB career with the Cardinals, and he's been with the Cardinals from since, and same with, you know, Yadier and Molina. You, you don't see that anymore. And with this day and age in baseball, everybody's chasing a paycheck. Everybody's looking for fame, and, and that, that's just what's, that's what reality is nowadays. Yeah, and in the days of everybody being buddy-buddy, that's, you know, there, there are loyalties to an extent, but at the end, at the end of the day, money talks. Absolutely. And that, that's anywhere you go. That's whether I've been in a job for 15 years and they're paying me – 70,000. If somebody comes along and says, Hey, you know, we can give you 95,000 and everything else, and your job's easier. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay at your job making seven? You're going to take the 95. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, and Freddie is going to continue to produce for at least three more years at a pretty good level, but uh, you don't want to get to that point. Like the, like the tigers are with Miguel Cabrera, where they just, where they gave out $240 million on an eight year deal and, he, and the guy puts up a negative five war or negative 0.5 war last year for him. 
and it just works out horribly these last few years, and they're handicapped with the money that they spent on it. it just people got to understand there's one thing of you know wanting a guy for their whole career, which I understand, but do you want to have a guy for your whole career and have a horrible last three seasons that he's there, or do you want to be able to compete for years to come? Exactly, and and that's the way the the Braves are currently built is semi-sustainable at this point. We've got some guys on team-friendly contracts, which that'll probably never happen again. Um, you know, Dansby, he's he's there for a little bit. Riley's there for a little while. So you've got guys in place to keep you competitive for a long time, and you need to – and I think Anthopolis sees that, and no matter what the fans say, he's going to do what, what works out the best to make his team competitive at the end of the day. Like he said at the end of last season, he didn't go into this offseason looking to stay the same. He wanted to get better, and I think at the end of the day today, that's what happened in Atlanta. He did. He got better. He got younger, and and he had to give up prospects, you know, in the in the process of all of this. But if you're looking to compete and looking to keep that winning mentality that you've already built, and you want those same playoff ticket sales like Atlanta just had, and you want the battery packed, the only way you do that by losing Freddie Freeman is going out to get a even better first baseman. Yes, I said it, a better first baseman than what Freddie Freeman is now. Yep. And so kind of while we're on the subject of Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, um, I know you saw the same video clips I did. We've, we've kind of talked on Anthopolis being a little bit emotional because he said it was a tough decision he's ever had to make. What are your thoughts on the videos and reports of um, Brian Snicker being at the facilities for two and a half hours and not really even having any idea that this was going down? He kind of seemed kind of blindsided by it. And apparently uh, before Anthopolis pulled the trigger, there were reports that he didn't even consult back with Freddie's agent. He just pulled the trigger and said, this is it. Well, for the first part of the question of, you know, Brian Snicker basically having no idea of what's happening. I think that shows you that nobody knows anything until you see the official tweet by Jeff Passan of what just happened. Like I, we, we talked about this earlier, but I, th- I want fans to realize that all these reports that are happening, they're rumors. But who are these rumors by? We have no idea. It, it's a minute-by-minute basis with how things are happening. Everything, everything today or uh, everything last week was Freddie Freeman's 24 hours away from making his decision. Well, that 24 hours has turned into a week. So that's just one rumor of something that somebody has said how that how much that has expanded. So it, it just shows you that I think everything's a minute by minute basis. A deal is not going to be made until both sides have an actual agreement. And we don't know anything until we get an official tweet by passing. But to the second part of the question of how I think uh, a, uh, AA handled the situation with Freddie's camp. I'm not saying I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it, but I get it. it it's, it's a market and you got to do what you got to do. If you gotta if you gotta make the trade before you consult his camp, you gotta do what you gotta do. But for a guy like Freddie who just got him a World Series and has been there for his whole career, you know, have some decency maybe. Let him know that we're not looking to bring you back. We appreciate the talks and that type of stuff. But I'm not too tor- I'm not too torn up about it. No, and and I'm like you. Like it, it probably would have been nice for him to give a phone call, but who's to say? You know, we don't know the I guess the full circle of of that current situation he was in whether, you know, let's say maybe the Yankees were trying to make a trade or someone else in the first base market. So I'm, I'm sure after it was all said and done, he's probably contacted Freddie Knight and them. They're probably cool by now. Because uh, I think at the end of the day, everybody knows the Braves organization has a ton of respect for him. Um, 
but you know, it's the end of one era and the start of another. And it's, it uh, I guess you could officially say now it's finally Ronald Acuna's team. I mean, it is the Ronald Acuna era and it's a good era to be under as long as he continues to be the superstar that he is. And you got, you got Ozzy Albee, uh, Ozzy Albee's behind him and you got, Matt Olson behind him, and it's still a very strong team. And you got Austin Riley. I mean, there's so many strong pieces that the Braves have with a great rotation. They're going to continue to be competitive because of the deal that Alex Anthopoulos made today. In the future, it could hurt. But as of today, the Braves are still in a win-now situation, and they are for at least the next three years and most likely more. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, that kind of wraps up most of the, the trade talk, the free agent talk so far. Uh, we did see Andrew McCutcheon sign with the Brewers. Um, everything else kind of seems quiet. The Rizzo front seems pretty quiet. Freddie Freeman still hasn't made his decision. Um, are you hearing anything on the Cardinals front, or is there anything you'd like to discuss with them before we close out today? Uh, no. I mean, you're going to see the rumors with, you know, Trevor Story and whatever else and some maybe some bullpen arms, but – there were talks that the Cardinals were in on Joe Kelly. That didn't happen. There are some talks that the Cardinals have been on Ryan DePera. I don't see that happening. I think his price tag's too big. And uh, you look at the Trevor Story, you know, ordeal. I, I, I can talk myself into it. I love Trevor Story. I'd love for him to play shortstop for the Cardinals. I think it's unrealistic. I'd rather not spend a ton of money and, you know, handicap ourselves there for a long period of time because we still have Goldschmidt on a decent-sized contract. We have Arenado on a decent-sized contract. We got to re-sign Flaherty at some point. We got to re-sign O'Neill in about two to three years. So there's some other players that I'd rather give that money to that are going to be more consistent. And I believe in Edmundo Sosa, and I believe that Paul DeYoung can have a somewhat bounce back here. But outside of that, you know, the Cardinals front is, you know, pretty dry, but I, I still like it, the position that they sit in. Yeah. And it'll be something kind of, we keep an eye on. I will say one, one, uh, Free agent signing we actually didn't mention, but it's one of the more underrated ones out there. Was uh, Jesse Chavez is back to the Cubs, and he was really consistent down the stretch for the Braves. So that's going to be a huge piece out of our bullpen that we'll miss. It, that's the one thing we also didn't even really talk about is the money that Matt Olson saves. We said that he is under control, which is very true. He is under control for the next two years, but. He's also saving the Braves about $15 million that can go towards other players, whether that be more bullpen help. And the Braves still got at least have to get another outfielder or figure out a DH option, you know, to make that lineup even more competitive and compete for the NL East. Because uh, I can tell you this, Matt Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are not going to feel any pity for a team that's missing an outfielder. So that, that gives the Braves some options if, you know, uh, that gives the Braves some options to sign some other pieces with this money that they're saving with Freeman. Yeah, and, and that could be, you know, another one-year deal for Peterson, or you could go short, multi-year deal for a guy like Solaire. I mean, there's options out there. We'll see what happens. Um, the first week back of baseball has been absolutely crazy, and uh, I think it's going to wrap it up for us, and we'll look forward to kind of what happens next week, and we'll see you guys next time.